Hannah Dunleavy's Outside the Box. Hi, and welcome to August's Outside the Box. I'm Hannah. I'm joined by Mickey. Hello. And Jen. Hiya. We're going to be talking about some things that are on television, some things that are coming up on television, etc., etc. You know the form. Okay, should we start with a bit of news? Yes, please. Okay. Filming has apparently started on dark Netflix, weird time-travelling, child-disappearing... German thing. Sounds like an absolute shit show, but it's actually quite enjoyable. We've referred to this before, but the subtitles fiasco kind of ruined it a little bit for me. But I am looking forward to watching the second series. Yeah, well, filming has begun. Filming has wrapped on Catastrophe, which means that can't be far off. I did see Rob Delaney tweeting and got very excited. Yes. Although, if you are waiting for Stranger Things Series 3, apparently the news is that it will be, quote, worth the wait, which is code for... It's not arriving until summer 2019. Who knows what will be happening by then? Stranger Things is going to have to up its game. It'll all be relative by 2019, summer. Strange. <laughs> Can it really be? We'll all be living in the fucking upside down, won't we? Yeah. Fans of Matt Groening, there is some news. Mick knows mm. more about it than I do. On August the 17th, Matt Groening's third animated series is out. It's called Disenchanted, and it follows a feisty princess who doesn't want to conform to what is expected of her. It's set in a sort of Game of Thrones style era of magicians and she's got a little dragony type sidekick. It looks like it's going to be fun. It starts on Netflix. I don't know if it's all released at once or whether it's going to be a series, but I'm quite excited to watch it because I loved Futurama and The Simpsons when it was good. Mm, Agreed. The Emmy nominations are out. We can talk about them briefly. Obviously, it's not for me to judge how well an organisation is doing on diversity but I'm gonna I actually think the Emmys is doing a lot better than say the Oscars last year Viola Davis won and Donald Glover won and to be honest the interesting point of that is for any idiot saying well it should be the best person that wins people like Donald Glover winning that award proves that it is the best person that wins and they can also be a person of colour same for Viola Davis this year lots of women of colour nominated at the Emmys so good for them the thing with the Emmys are to be honest and much more than almost any other award show I think they fuck up a lot when it comes to who they nominate and ultimately I think sometimes they really do mean nothing I mean Leftovers zero Emmy nominations The Wire zero Emmy nominations Deadwood zero Emmy nominations Downton Abbey 40,000 Emmy (laughs) nominations I mean sometimes they're wrong but if we're going to talk about stuff that's here that I think are people who deserve these awards whether or not it'll happen are you on the panel this year Hannah? Uh, yeah (laughs) Matthew Reese for the Americans for the Americans there you go Matthew Reese a Welshman up for an award if he is going to win this would be his year because it's the last year Kerry Russell's also nominated in the the actress category that's not going to happen because Elizabeth Moss is in that category you didn't get odds on uh, on Elizabeth Moss I was going to say you like a flutter what are yeah. your odds no odds uh, no but Matthew Reese is amazing and it would be great to see him do that both Merritt Weaver who I absolutely adore and Michelle Dockery are, are nominated for Godless both of which they would be very deserved if they won them. And I'd like to see Merritt Weaver win in particular because she currently has the greatest Emmy speech ever given. And it'd be nice to see her do another one. Have you ever seen her when she won her Emmy for Nurse Jackie? I have because Hannah made me, well, asked me to watch it. She gets up, she holds it up, she says, 
Thank you very much. I'm done. <laughs> she walks off the stage and it's incredible. But also another one that I think really, really, really is deserving of this award is Betty Gilpin, who is nominated for Glow in the supporting actress. That's Debbie. Debbie. And I think what's really impressive about Betty Gilpin in this is she's basically, she basically plays two characters and she plays Debbie Egan and she plays Liberty Bell. Yeah. And how quickly she flips between one or the other of those in the in the second series when she does it when she's in the radio studio and she has to have the earphones on the cans upside down because her hair is so big on it. <laughs> and somebody asks her a stupid question and she just goes, come and see if I can win my crown. <laughs> and takes them off and then pulls this face. It's amazing. But more than that, I'm is is she is amazing at wrestling? She's well. so good at wrestling, and she has to do that on top. So I'd be really disappointed if Betty Gilpin doesn't pick up that award. Can I just do a tiny watch this space because on the back of Glow and on the news that uh, women's wrestling is finally getting its first pay per view, I'm going to learn to wrestle, chaps. I'm going for a wrestling lesson with Lana Austin. Goodbye forever, mate. Hooray! awkward there are more nominations in fact several nominations for Atlanta which I've only managed to watch one of the second series Um, Jen you've been yeah I'm quite well into it now it's really it's it's just really fucking good it's really good have you seen the first episode I have seen the first episode alligator man (laughs) (laughs) it's it's just it's just wonderful that's just enough just watch it just watch watch it. it if you can yeah just as a quick note there is I think it was on I think I might be talking in the future tense but it might be in the past tense before this comes out but it's confusing but anyway it will be on the iPlayer BBC4 had a documentary about Angela Carter oh I haven't seen that it's called it's called Of Wolves and Women Angela Carter author of things like The Bloody Chamber The Wise Children uh, wrote the screenplay for The Company of Wolves Nights at the Circus yes a great little one-hour special featuring Kelly MacDonald and Maureen Lippman reading out her work and also interviews with people who actually knew her, which is always vital if you're making a decent documentary. Well, well I'm going to have to That's steal BBC someone's Falls. BBC licence to watch that. Yep, quite. BBC's big drama of the summer, which, as you may remember if you ever listen to or read anything that I've written, is generally the BBC puts out an absolute stinker over the summer. The candidate for that position is currently being taken by Picnic at Hanging Rock, which I have made an executive decision not to watch. Not because I think it'll be a stinker, not because I've got anything against anyone that's in it, but Peter Weir's Picnic at Hanging Rock is perfect, and I do not see the point of remaking it, to be honest. Feel free, I'm just not going to watch it. It's one of your favourite films, it's isn't it? Absolutely, it's absolutely brilliant. And also, just to point this out, this is interesting while I'm here. Netflix does not have a single Peter Weir film available to watch in this country. What the fuck, Netflix? Isn't that incredible? That is pretty weird. I've not seen the original, but I have been watching this. Um, and I think it's all right, actually. I, I don't. I didn't know the story. Never read the book, so this is like my first foray, if you will. Um, and yeah, I think it's all right. Is Natalie Dormer playing? She's like the, woman the, with the crazy hair from the film. What's she called? Mrs. Apple. Yes, yeah. Miss Appleyard. Yeah, Appleyard. Yeah. yeah, she. Yeah, so that's Natalie Dormer. I th- she's pretty fucking sinister in it, and I don't think it's amazing. Fair enough. There you go. Channel Four's running towards the end of the Handmaid's Tale. I'm not going to talk about that. I have seen how it ends. I'm not going to talk about it till after it ends because I think that would be. I'm doing massive wide eyes at Hannah. Join in with us on Twitter. So instead, let's talk about three things that are currently on the television. Now, something that's on Netflix, Orange is the New Black, 
something's on ITV, which is Unforgotten, and something's on Sky Atlantic, which is Sharp Objects. What do we want to start with? Oh, I don't mind. Okay, let's start with Orange is the New Black. Anybody started watching Series 6 yet? No, not yet. I will, though, even though Series 5 was frustrating. Okay, so yes, if anyone recalls Series 5, I was not impressed. Even numbered series are the best ones. Two and four are the best ones, so there was hope that six might be also great. Four is astonishing. Yeah, only the back half, though. Yeah, but it's a slow... Isn't that great? But but it's a slow burn that makes it all the more amazing when it happens. But the important thing to know about Series 5 is it came in a really compressed time frame. And that means that we are now in a position where when you rejoin this... It's been two years since we watched the events of Series 4. But in their timeline, it's actually only a few weeks since that's happened. So it's causing you to have to try and remember a lot of stuff that happened two years ago. And it's quite difficult. That's the first of the problems that it has. It has... I'm going to say flat out now, Series 6 is better than Series 5. Absolutely. But it does suffer from a, a number of problems. That's the first one. The second problem is, when is this set? Now, time moves more slowly in their world than it does in our world. And currently, you can estimate that it is approximately early 2016 in Orange is the New Black World. They are now two years behind us because time has been moving more slowly. However, they still feel the need to riddle it with populist references. For example, they refer to President Obama being the president in the past tense. Hashtag me too. They are quoting James Baldwin, all of which sounds very reactionary to popular culture. If we're going to have to jump it and disbelieve and just say it is being set now, then the issues that it talks about, about immigration, for example, have to be now. The issues where it's talking about, like, Obama in the past tense has to be now, but it means the other stuff that's gone before it doesn't really make sense, because that also messes up the chronology of that. So that's a knot that they've tied themselves in. Second knot they've tied themselves in is they're trying to shift away and become more of a drama than a comedy. But they're trying to keep the people who liked it as a comedy and therefore you get drama and comedy that doesn't necessarily sit very well together. Now you can get drama and comedy that sit really well together. Sopranos a great example of this. Sopranos can make you piss yes. yourself laughing at something. Yeah. Deadwood did comedy and, yep. and, uh, and drama really well. They are failing to pull it off particularly well, I have to say. There's some interesting themes. I think the theme about gaslighting was really interesting. The central theme of remembering who the real enemy is, you know, the idea that if you set women against each other, you forget who's really in charge and pulling the strings, comes with a really heavy-handed metaphor about two sisters that are fighting and it just doesn't work. They don't work as characters. And then, right in the middle of it, there's actually a really great storyline. I'm not going to do a spoiler for you if you haven't seen it yet, but maybe you'll know what I'm talking about if you have watched it. Currently, Orange is the New Black, most reliable actress, is given an absolutely great performance in a great storyline that is absolutely spaffed by having other stuff go on around it. What they should have done, if you ask me, is not have a series that was entirely dedicated to a four-night riot. If that's what they wanted to do, they should have had an entire series that was focused on a two-week trial. That would have been a better story. So they have kind of spaffed that. It feels Black Lives Matters being shoehorned into this. And it shouldn't feel like that because, to be fair, they are one of the most diverse shows on television. And, and I don't just mean Black Lives Matters. matters. I mean Latino Lives Matters. Yeah. I mean American Asian Lives Matters. So it is. it, it feels really heavy-handed. But what I will say is the series does... You know how in Glow there's a real sting in the tail that comes... in 
bashes storyline. Oh, God, yeah. In that something's burning away in the background you don't really notice and, and it becomes like a really human tragedy in the face of sort of wider indifference and that happens at the end of this. There is a, a plot line that's sort of tootling along nicely and then suddenly ha- something happens and you think, in the same way that you knew that eventually Glow would have to talk about AIDS, you know that, that Orange is the New Black is going to have to talk about this one issue. So that's Orange is the New Black. I'm forgotten. Jen's pushing I'm forgotten. I am, yeah. I haven't watched any of the previous series. Okay. I, I have only seen series one because I'm waiting for it what, to come on Netflix. What do you make of I'm forgotten? So I've watched two episodes of it. I think there's been a few more than that there's now. There's been four. Okay, so I've watched two. Um, yeah, I think it's all right. Friend of the show, Sanjeev, obviously. He's very good. He is. Nicola Walker. Oh, Nicola Walker, man, Stop. she's amazing. Very good. Those eyes. Do you see things? Do you like her? Yeah, it's all right. The thing is, though, I used to watch, like, quite religiously, uh, Waking the Dead. Right. Which I just liked a bit better. Is it the same concept? Yeah, it's like cold cases basically. So it's like um, that's the that's the same concept, right? So it's um, like well, these aren't cold. It's not cold cases in Unforgotten. It's it's newly discovered bodies. Okay. Even though the cases could be whereas cold cases are generally cases that weren't solved. Yeah. And then you can go back with you, fresh eyes. Yeah. Or yeah. Back with fresh More eyes, but, ways of yeah. getting evidence and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just you know DCI Boyd, Inspector Grace Foley or Dr Grace Foley rather I don't know what any of these words are Dr Grace Foley Sue Johnson and she'd always say like she was like the psychologist and she'd always say like really obvious things about psychology and like my favourite ever line she ever said was something about she was being asked by Trevor Eve's character Boyd um, about a psycho whatever and she said well he'd show you a good time but you wouldn't want to pick up the bill Okay. But anyway, <laughs> bit of a tangent. I think Unforgotten is the best thing ITV's made in years and years and years, if I'm completely honest. And actually, if you don't, I don't think you've probably watched as much shit that gets put out on ITV. <laughs> yeah. I can't speak to how accurate it actually is, but there's something about it that feels really authentic. And this case that they're following on this, if you haven't watched it yet, this will be a spoiler alert, but it's about the murder of a twin on New Year's Eve. Well, I actually have worked on a really similar case when I worked for a local newspaper a murder of a twin on on New Year's Eve. And in that case, her twin sister, she was called Sally Jason, her twin sister took part in a police reconstruction a week after she had disappeared and played the role of her sister in a police reconstruction. I can remember watching that and thinking it was the most extraordinary strength of character that she showed to be able to do that. Yeah. And something about Unforgotten feels like it respects the families. It feels like it's not about a gratuitous murder. Yeah. It's about the effects a gratuitous murder has and continues to have yeah. on people 10, 20, 30 years after. Yeah, it doesn't go away. It doesn't go yeah. away. And it kind of revisits what hidden secrets do to people and what, what, what things not being sold, solved do for, for people, I think. I think it's amazing and even the, the more extreme parts of it like the stuff about like online trolling I saw some stuff that was said about Samantha Eastwood's family this weekend on Twitter that leads me to think that some people should not be allowed to own phones and put stuff well, on social no. media because they're cunts yeah, <laughs> and they yeah. should stop saying stuff like that so I think actually it's quite it's I think it feels quite authentic because it seems to know what happens in those situations. Yeah. And from what I've learned from working on on, ca- on cases in local newspapers and from what you learn just from being a human being and seeing what happens, it feels like it understands that. So I have to say, well done, I'm forgotten. 
the first series I did really enjoy. It's quite a slow burner. I think it's it doesn't it's not in a rush yeah, to get to no, its like yeah. conclusion. But so it it manages to be for me fascinating. I really enjoyed watching it, but without ever being sensationalist. Like, yeah, well, it will say things like, especially the first series was great when they showed you how you could get writing out of a water damaged diary yeah. and I was like I don't know if that's real but that's fucking fascinating yeah, that's if really it is. is No, I think like yeah I've only watched the first two episodes and I think Slow Burner yeah like it it may ramp up a bit or whatever but I think you're right like the way they deal in those first episodes with the way they deal with the family is very mm. interesting like it is very sensitively handled to the extent that I was a bit like oh I wonder what happened in the first two series to make this character be this way because I haven't watched them so I don't know or if that is just you know how she is or whatever and also the the woman that plays the sister I don't know how you say her name Brona Woe but she's Northern Irish by origin um, she was she's the wife of um, Jamie Dornan's character in The Fall and she started I believe or first came to prominence in Hollyoaks as a sort of comedy character Cheryl and I think she's fucking fantastic yeah, it does get great performances out of people. Um, I mean, Tom Courtney. Tom, oh, Courtney. Tom Courtney. Sir Tom Courtney yeah, won on a BAFTA for the first one and two freaking right because he was amazing in it, as was Gemma Jones. So, yeah, watch I've Forgotten. <laughs> Last thing to talk about, Sharp Objects, which is mm. currently on Sky Atlantic based on a book by Gillian Flynn, which isn't the thing that drew me in because I'm actually not a big fan of Gillian Flynn. What drew me in was the chance to see Amy Adams and Patricia Clarkson playing mother and daughter in a Southern Gothic. Ooh. Mm. I love Patricia Clarkson. Patricia Clarkson. Is I want amazing. to be Patricia Clarkson. She's, She's fantastic astonishing. in this. She is absolutely fantastic I want in it. To have her voice. It's HBO. It does feel like it's got sort of a touch of um, True, True Detective mm, about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, way more than True Blood. Everybody's an alcoholic. Everybody's hiding secrets. Everybody's really miserable. Amy Adams plays an alcoholic journalist who's sent home to cover a story. Now that in itself is quite unbelievable. That any newspaper that's so badly staffed would send a reporter but actually the case is our editor's not sending her because he wants the story he's sending her because he thinks she needs to sort herself out and he because she clearly has some underlying mental health issues and I think he's he thinks he's helping her mm. by sending her home and, and to confront her issues Talk about slow burn. I mean, Jesus, if you think Unforgotten's a slow burn we're about four episodes really? in on this Things are happening but also nothing is happening it's it's shot by a Frenchman and uh, directed by a Frenchman and I don't know it feels it feels kind of French it feels really male gazy in parts I think it's interesting I think it accepts the idea that teenage girls can be monsters and possibly are monsters I don't know what to make of it because I've watched four and I still don't feel like I've actually got a hold on what it is but I think it's worth watching just to see whether it is your thing or not. I think it's brilliant. I think it's really good. I, the first episode, I was like, yeah, I want to keep watching this. I want to know what happens. Patricia Clarkson is, is extraordinarily good in it. And Amy Adams, who, as an actor, I'm not that fussed about, to be honest. Oh, I like Amy Adams. She's great in The Muppets. Just not that fussed about her. I don't have like a strong opinion either way, but I think, you know, she's very good in it. I think the girl, I don't know her name, the one who plays the 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 awful girl... What the fuck is the character's name? Amma. The girl who plays Amma is really sinister as well. I keep saying sinister yeah. today, but yeah. Oh, and also, actually, it's worth saying, Sloane Stevens, who 
is currently in The Handmaid's Tale. She plays Nick's wife. Also plays a young girl that Amy Adams encounters in a mental health facility and gives an absolutely oh. cracking performance in both ones. So, what on her? She is a person to look out for in the future, clearly. Okay. And finally, last bit of Outside the Box, um, because Jen's got a pair of cans on and there's giving her a tremendous sweat head. I've never seen anyone's ears run. (laughs) (laughs) It's really happening. (laughs) We had a question of the month this month, which was about great uses of music, or not so great uses of music, in television series, mostly prompted by two things that... Two really, really, really powerful scenes on television, which I thought were absolutely ruined by over... Blown. Blown. That's exactly the word. Overblown musical choices. One of which is a song that I really like, which is this one's work by Kate Bush, which was used... Uh-huh. <laughs> Only on Comic Relief ever. Yeah. Sorry? It's like the song that was made for Comic Relief, basically. Really? Yeah, I feel like I've... I feel like that and the one... Uh, oh, for when they go to Africa? Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're building a well... <laughs> It is a tremendous song. However, they used it on the opening episode of this series of uh, The Handmaid's Tale in an incredible scene at Fenway Park. And I felt it was really overblown. I felt that scene didn't need any music at all. And if it did need music, it certainly didn't need this woman's work. They felt really heavy-handed. A lot of people disagreed with me on that on Twitter. I have to say, they thought it was amazing. But I thought, while they were all just standing there, like, weighing themselves with fear, that was enough for me. It didn't need Kate Bush on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other one was, was uh, the use of With or Without You in The Americans. And I don't like With or Without You as a song. And I feel like nobody should ever be using it anymore. In their defence, it was contemporaneous for the scene that it was set in as a choice of music. However, I just felt it was an amazing scene that didn't need Bono's wailing Very on top few of it. scenes need a Bono. Absolutely. Um, probably in Bono's life, very few scenes need Bono. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. There are some great examples of how you use music. I, I, I used uh, Oh Girl in The Sopranos, which is just a tremendous use. It used twice in The Sopranos, and it, the callback scene in particular is amazing when Tony is crying and singing and driving at the same time, which is just perfect. Our Friends of the North used Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood when it first introduced Geordie Peacock, Daniel Craig, and that was an amazing one. Um, Misfits made great use of I Don't Know What Happened to the Kids Today, the Lavi Sifri song, which is incredible. Black Mirror ended in Heaven is a Place on Earth, that episode of Black Mirror, which oh, yeah. is a song I don't even like, but I like now because I associate it with San Junipero. Bringing Belinda Carlisle to the future. Exactly. And similarly, actually, Glow ended on uh, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now, which is an unbelievably cheesy song, but again, contemporaneous. I and love worked. a bit of Starship. Just Shout out for Hollyoaks. Always, Jen, always, <laughs> right? I think they do. Do you know what? I did wean myself off it a few years ago. Um, that's a true story, by the way. Uh, but I, one thing I always admired about Hollyoaks, apart from just like, just the amount of storylines you can run all the time, was the fact that um, they would always open the music they chose to open the scene every episode. Stonking, really well done. Kudos, yeah, Hollyoaks. I, I've got quite a contentious one from The Sopranos because I really like the fact that they use Journeys Don't Stop Believing for the very, very final scene, which is what Tony puts on the jukebox. Yeah. And obviously the end of The Sopranos itself is incredibly contentious. But Don't Stop Believing is now my alarm clock and I thank The Sopranos for that. Is it really? Yeah, totally. They do make a couple of other really great choices in that. Early in Series 2, they use um, Exhibits Paparazzi, which is a great yes. choice because it yes. has all those camera noises yes. in it. And I read an interview with um, 
David Chase once when they asked why he used the instrumental version of that song and he said even for the Sopranos a song that used the n-word 72 times <laughs> might be considered a bit much there's an episode that finishes with John Cooper Clark's that, that was going to be the, the second choice amazing and it also goes over um, a christening yes <laughs> the, uh, the fucking this Evidently the fucking that Breaking Bad uses music incredibly well somebody suggested to me Eva Shambles suggested to me that Justified used music really well and she's absolutely correct particularly uh, Gillian Welch's Annabelle which was used at Aunt Helen's funeral which was an incredible choice um yeah, lots of people saying they really like this this woman's work. Mad Men got a lot of uh, like for music, including I'd like to teach the word to sing, which is what it, what it ended on. Um, oh, I was going to say the leftovers use of Max Richter, and I know he scored it, but every time that music started, I didn't need to be watching the telly before I started crying. The leftovers used two songs absolutely amazingly. The first one is the song that Christopher Eccleston plays repeatedly, which is... Oh, yeah. Um... Let Your Love Flow, which Matt plays over and over and over again because he thinks it's going to bring Mary out of a coma, which is amazing. And also, actually not used in the uh, programme, but used as the in the trailer for Series 3, Abba's SOS. For when the world <laughs> was falling apart was the most camp choice and, and brilliantly Just a wonderful wrong but tune. right choice. Great tune. Um, I have a question. Yes. Maybe for our listeners. Can anyone confirm or deny? I don't know if anyone else has heard this before. I don't know if it's like an urban myth or what that Hans Zimmer wrote the theme music to the, I don't know if you recall, the 80s lunchtime, daytime game show, Going for Gold. I've heard that myth before, or that that, um, fact, in inverted commas, Mm. before. Say yeah, I'm going to say yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It sounds like Matt Kelly would have demanded it. Um, Here's some other things that people suggested. Henry Kelly. Oh yeah, that's all. Northern Exposure, which was just brilliant in general. The West Wing, X-Files... What? Yeah, that's what people are suggesting. Not particular songs, but I, I don't know. I didn't watch any of those programmes, so I, I can't say that they use great use. Well, going back to Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad used uh, some amazing choices, including uh, TV on the radio's DLC, which is about uh, the death of uh, one of their members uh, from cancer and talks specifically about drug use in it and cancer. So it, it went remarkably well with... Um, and they use it in the scene where, where he's in the supermarket and he finds some people who also might be... Uh, deciding to start cooking and he goes up and scares them off and they yes. play it during that scene and it's amazing so we'll come up with another question of the week a uh, question of the month for next month maybe. what about bottle episodes sorry a bottle that's episodes that's, that's a great idea uh, I think we can afford to be to be a bit flexible with the use of bottle episode because technically Pine Barrens is not a bottle episode <laughs> but it is quite possibly the greatest bottle episode. Oh, I think we've just had that discussion. The winner is Pine <laughs> okay. Barrens. Well, if anybody um, wants to send me suggestions of some great bottle episodes... Um, what's a bottle episode? A bottle episode is... it's uh, um, It comes from uh, the phrase a ship in a bottle. Sure. They use it quite often in things. Big, big, expensive series. Doctor Who's a good example of this. A big, expensive series that will blow a lot of its budget on the opening one and the finale needs mm-hmm. some episodes that don't have a lot of extras a lot of sets a lot of outside filming in them and Mm -hmm. so that it comes from the idea that it's very much self-contained it usually only contains the exact members of cast who are already in it and it generally takes place in one location good example of this is the fly episode of breaking Breaking bad 
Dot and Ethel in EastEnders. I was about to say, is yes. this like when Dot takes someone into the laundrette for another fucking yes, heart to yeah, heart? Yeah, that is essentially right. a bottle episode. Another, Actually, I think the better bottle episode in Breaking Bad is the one where they break down in the desert and spend amazing. the entire time trying to build a battery out of bits of crap they find in the desert. That is a great one. Much less divisive than The Fly as well, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I think they do this quite a lot in Atlanta, actually. So... Anyway, people have got loads to choose from. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. are you asking for favourites or ones that you don't think work? Well, either. Let's just talk about bottle episodes. If you okay. want to talk about bottle episodes, you know where I am. I am at that Dunleavy. And uh, we will be back um, next month. I'm not going to make any promises because you know me, I'll only let you down. But I'll try and be back next month. And thanks for listening. <laughs>